This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word to him alone. Be glory. Let's pray together. Father, we worship you with our hearts and our emotions this morning. We think about the, uh, the event, the moment at which we stand in the history of Green Tree Community Church and all of your blessings and all of your goodness. And it, it, was, it was more than right for us to sing, great is your faithfulness, God, because we rest in you. Lord, we pray now that as we come to worship you with our minds and our intellect, that you would open uh, our understanding, our knowledge. Pray that your word would speak truth into our lives. Father, we have not come here to hear the word of man. Uh, My opinion is not important. What is important is your eternal truth. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would teach us, that you would help us to understand what you want to say to us today. Father, forgive me my sin. Please don't let me stand in the way of your word and your work and your will being done among us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I, I, at the end of the first service, about halfway through the, uh, the break time in between services, I saw Porter, uh, our business manager, was rushing by with a bucket and a mop. And I just breathed a huge sigh of relief for two reasons. One is that we finally spilled something and we don't have to worry about it. And I wasn't the one that spilled it. So it really... Worked out great. Now, I will tell you before we begin that the sermon's going to be off a little bit this morning because we're in a new room and you should have been thinking, where would this kind of be in the Bulldog Cafeteria so I can sit there and not mess with Tom's mind? But now you all are like, Peabody, what are you doing over there? You're supposed to be back on the right-hand side in the corner. And uh, there's a lot of folks that are just kind of scattered. McNeil's, you're supposed to be over there. What are you doing over there? I am so confused. Kat, you're about in the right place. Thank you very much. For, for But I'm looking over your shoulder at Diana, who's clearly in the wrong row. You're supposed to be in the front over here where the Canassies are sitting. They're two rows off. So it's not my fault if this isn't any good. If you've ever wondered, does the pastor know whether I'm there or not? Yeah, we, we do. We do. New house. New smells. New paint. New screens, technology actually works. You go into a new house and it it feels pretty amazing. And it would be easy for us to get focused on the house. And in one sense of the word, that's, we we should. We should praise God for this place and this building and this land and our our neighborhood and and our chance to grow in this place. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's not about the house, but it's about something much deeper. Let me give you the sermon in a sentence this morning, and this is if you're visiting, this is what I typically do, uh, not because I think my congregation is slow and they can't keep up, but so I make sure that I stay on task with what I believe God is uh, calling us to study. So in this particular morning, I believe what we're after out of Luke's uh, gospel, chapter 19, is that the hope in this house isn't in the structure, but it's in the Savior. The hope of this house is not in the structure but it's in the Savior. What happens when Jesus comes to the house? That's what we're going to look at this morning uh, because that's what he does with Zacchaeus. He comes to the house and he presents himself as the Savior of the world. And he does so in a certain way. And he does so with a certain tone and a certain attitude that I think is important for us to grasp, not only for our own individual question of salvation, but also for us collectively as a group of disciples who are seeking to honor Jesus as we move forward. I have four observations about Jesus in this house. The first one is this. When Jesus is in the house, he knows your name. 
You may be here this morning thinking that I'm going to kind of sit in the back. I'm going to kind of sneak in, sneak out. I'm not going to talk to too many folks because I don't want to be noticed. I just kind of want to go quietly. And that might work with people. You may be able to get in and out, even as friendly as Green Tree is, you may be able to get in and out of here without being too noticed. But Jesus knows your name. I want you to notice in verse 1 that it says that as he entered Jericho, he being Jesus, and was passing through. Now, that sounds like a casual stroll. He was on his way, just happened to be going to Jericho. So as I'm on my way to the car, I've got to go down the sidewalk and through the parking lot to where my car is parked. I'm just kind of passing through. But remember where Jesus is in Luke chapter 19. He's on his way to the cross. He only has a few days to live. This is not a casual stroll. This is not a Sunday outing. Jesus is on the most deadly, serious business that has ever been known to mankind. It would be easy for him to take no notice of a man like Zacchaeus. Jesus has a lot on his mind. Not only that, but look at the person with whom Jesus interacts. In verse 2, it says this. He entered Jericho, was passing through. Behold, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, to, to the people of Jesus' day, that title, chief tax collector, said it all. Zacchaeus was a despicable character. I'm not talking about someone who's deluded and confused and they're a fan of the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> We're not talking about someone with whom we have a friendly rivalry, although, you know, Doug Herman prayed in the first service. He wore an orange shirt. He had to rub in the Webster thing. He couldn't, he couldn't let it go. We need to talk about how to appropriately church discipline somebody that, that does that. I got I to gotta figure that out. Zacchaeus wasn't just kind of not a nice guy. He was a traitor. He was a villain to his own people. He oppressed his own people. He stole from his own people. He robbed from his own people. Why? So he could line his own pockets. So here's Jesus on his way to the cross. If there's anyone that Jesus shouldn't spend time with, it's this guy, because he certainly doesn't deserve to have Jesus in his house like we deserve to have Jesus in our house, right? (laughs) Despicable fellow, cheater, liar, traitor, greedy. He's also, in some ways, a stranger. Look at verse 3. Not only was he a chief tax collector, rich, but he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus didn't know Jesus. He had heard about him. I mean, it's kind of hard to, to not hear in, in their culture, in their day, kind of hard not to hear that a guy walked on water. Be pretty difficult to kind of bury your head in the sand and not learn that he had fed 5,000 people on at least two different occasions. That he that he'd spoken to people who were dead and they had literally, the life had been breathed back into them. But Zacchaeus didn't know Jesus. He had heard about him and his curiosity was piqued. And there was something about the personality of Jesus. There was something about the way he went about his life that a despicable fellow thought he might want to check this out. He might want to see what's going on. But he had no previous interaction. He, in his mind, was a stranger to Jesus. And certainly Zacchaeus knew his own reputation. And certainly Zacchaeus had to wonder, would Jesus really want to spend time with a person like me? that thought ever crossed your mind? Have you ever had that, that moment of clarity, that moment of, of true honesty when nobody else is looking and you're really thinking about your own heart and, and what really lives there? And you said, if there is a God, I'm sure I'm not on the list. I've had people from time to time in my life say, you know, Tom, I, you know, I want to talk to you about this sin or that sin. And my usual reaction is to say to myself, and if they only knew all the other ones. I would imagine Zacchaeus wasn't, 
He was curious. He was hopeful. But I'm also guessing he was guarded in his own spirit, knowing really deep down inside who he was, whether or not Jesus would have time for him. But what does Jesus say to Zacchaeus in verse 5? He says, Zacchaeus, get out of that tree. (laughs) Would you hurry and get down? Why? Because I must stay at your house today, Zacchaeus. I know you, Zacchaeus. I know everything about you, and I want to spend time with you. Zacchaeus, or Jesus knew the heart of Zacchaeus, and he still wanted to have lunch with him. I don't know how many of you are really big country and Western fans, but you may have heard of this guy, but I'm pals with a guy named Thomas Rhett. And I think we've got his picture there on the screen. He was in St. Louis last week with, with Georgia, Florida, Florida, Georgia line. And, uh, and he went through the crowd in one of his songs. He got up and he went out, got off the stage and he had three or four big burly uh, guards around him. And he went around and he was slapping high fives. And people were grabbing, they were trying to grab his coat. And they were trying to, you know, hold on to his hand and shake his hand. And he came by me and he looked me right in the eye. And I just held up my fist and we fist pumped. And he gave me a look like, thank you for not grabbing me. <laughs> And I, it really was a look of friendship. And I quote, don't quite understand why he hasn't called yet, why he hasn't invited me to <laughs> kind of be a roadie and, and go on the road with him or something. I'm sure we'll have lunch one of these days. Um, but it would be easy for Jesus in that kind of setting to look right past Zacchaeus, like Thomas Rhett really did honestly look right through me. I do think he was glad I fist pumped him and didn't try to, didn't try to grab him. Not only is Zacchaeus a guy that we would say isn't worth spending time with, but Jesus has a lot of people around him who are demanding his time and who are wanting his attention. I'm not sure why you're here today. might be to celebrate, and I think we should. Maybe because you're curious and you live in the neighborhood, and you're like, okay, what is this all about? We want to we come find out what, what might be happening here. It might be that you're here because you'd like to be seen, because you, you know maybe there's some good business contacts or some good, good relational contacts that, that you want to make within the, within the Green Tree Church community. I don't know what brought you here this morning. Only God knows that. But Jesus knows you. He knows you're here. He knows I'm here. He knows our name. He knows everything about us. So even the stuff you don't want anybody else to know, he already knows it. And he's thrilled to be with you this morning. You got to hear that. Most of us think, boy, if God knew my sin... He wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. And that is exactly the opposite of the truth. God knows all your sin. He knows all my sin. Mine's probably a lot worse than yours. And Jesus knows our name. He wants to be with us. Why is that? Well, it's because the second, not only does Jesus know your name, but when Jesus is in the house, he is compelled by compassion. Look at verse five, if you would. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Notice where the emphasis is in that statement. Jesus knows Zacchaeus the sin. We've just said that. He knows he has an evil heart. We know that Jesus knows that nobody loves Zacchaeus, but he can't resist caring for him. Why is that? Because that's the character of God. The character of God is a character of grace and compassion. It's the character of God to look at a guy like Zacchaeus and say there's something worth saving there. There's, there's something in him that needs the love and the compassion of God. And the same is true for you and us this morning. Jesus knows us. He knows we need his grace more than we need anything else in the entire world. We might be able to fool some other people. We might even be able to fool ourselves, but we can't fool Jesus. But in all of that, Jesus is compelled by compassion to love people like you and me. Thirdly, not only 
Does Jesus know our name? Not only is he compelled by compassion, but Jesus ignores the haters when he's in the house. Look at verses 6 and 7. So Zacchaeus does what? He hurries. He comes down. And he comes down joyfully. There's that word joyful again. And they go over to Zacchaeus' house, right? But what happens? When they saw it, they, the people around Jesus, the crowd, the entourage, as it were, probably even maybe some of his disciples, what do they do? They grumble. They get self-righteous and they begin to say, well, what's he doing going to eat with this man? Doesn't he know that he's a sinner? Now, remember the people that hung around with Jesus, you and I would probably say those are good church folks. Those are folks that look really good on the outside there. They behave themselves. They do the right thing. They're not like Zacchaeus. They don't steal from their own countrymen. They don't, they don't oppress their own neighbors. They're, those, those folks are nice folks. But isn't it interesting that church folks tend to ignore their own sin? And attack others for theirs. I'm pretty quick to give myself a pass when I gossip. But don't you do it. Let me find out about it. Because I'll gossip about you to other people that you're a gossip. Right? That's, that's how it works, isn't it? And somehow we're blind to our own sin. And we point it out in others. But notice that Jesus doesn't even talk to this. He ignores the haters. There's no interaction between Jesus and those people. Because he knows what's really in the depths of their heart. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, Cindy was out in Hawaii where our daughter Katie lives. And she just had her, her very first baby, Katie and Richard, their first child. So mama's got to go be with the baby, right? I mean, that's just how daddy gets to pay and mama gets to go. So Cindy's out in Hawaii. And lo and behold, right down the street from where Katie and Richard live, they're filming an episode of Hawaii Five-0. So Cindy's sitting out on the porch and she gets her little phone camera thing out and she videos about a 30 second clip and she, and she sends it to me via email. So I get this email on my phone, which I have a hard time working and you know, Hey, look at this video of Hawaii Five-0. So I open it up. My, now my whole screen's about that big and the video on the screen is about this big. So I'm literally looking at this going, what? And, and if you stare at it, like, and, and play it like eight times in a row, what you figure out is that it looks like Way down the street, there are two guys getting out of the car and going across the street. That's the whole video. And you've got to work hard to figure that out. So being the loving husband that I am and missing my wife terribly, I send a text back and I say, compelling television. <laughs> to which she writes back, haters got to hate, I guess. <laughs> See, she had, all y'all were here Wednesday night. She had y'all fooled. There's another side of Cindy. No. Haters got to hate. But you know what? That's right. That's what haters do. Haters hate. Jesus gives no credence to the self-righteous. He didn't do it then. And he doesn't do it now. And he isn't going to allow their message to win the day. He isn't going to let somebody else judging his motives or his actions stop him from saving somebody just like you. And somebody just like me. That's how big his grace and his compassion is. So he ignores the haters. But fourthly, I have four observations. Fourthly, when Jesus is in the house, he brings life. Look at verse 8. Zacchaeus stands up in the front of everybody. And he says, Lord, behold, today half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. So we don't know what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. We don't have any, anything written down about the conversation. But clearly it was life-changing. Clearly we're dealing with a different man. Because he's gone from being greedy and manipulative and hateful and destructive to being the most generous guy in the neighborhood. Now he's, he, he's a baby Christian. 
He's been a Christian for about three minutes, so he doesn't quite have it all exactly right because he says, if I've defrauded anyone. <laughs> That's like saying, if I hope Kirkwood wins the bell this year against Webster. I mean, what a foolish statement. Yeah, Zach, you've defrauded a few people. <laughs> he says, you know what, if that's the case, I'll pay him back four times. If he stole $100 from me, he's going to give you $400. If he stole $1,000 from me, he's going to give you $4,000. And half of everything he has, he's going to give to the poor. In other words, Zacchaeus is going to empty most of his pockets. Why? Because he's a different man with different priorities. His priorities are now grace and compassion. Why? Because Jesus is in his house. And when Jesus comes in the house, he brings life. Look at verse 9. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, says to the crowd, so Jesus said to Zacchaeus, said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. Two quick things about this. He looks at Zacchaeus and he says, this house is good now, brother. It's all good. Why? Because you've come to salvation through me. Think about how bold that claim is. When you come to Green Tree Community Church, or you go across the street to Unity Baptist Church. Neither one of those pastors are going to say, believe in me. If we do, you should run us out of town. But Jesus says to Zacchaeus, you're saved because of me. What's Jesus saying? I'm God, and you've come to the right place for salvation. And so Zacchaeus is spoken to directly by Jesus. And he looks up and says, today this house has experienced salvation. But then it says, he also, then he says, he also, right, Zacchaeus, he is a son of Abraham, right? So now he's not talking to Zacchaeus anymore. Now he's talking to the people around him. Now he's talking to the haters, the people who think they're okay in their salvation because they think they're better than Zacchaeus. And he says, guess what, friends? He's actually the one who's the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham was the patriarch of the Old Testament. Abraham was a man of what? Faith. Thank you very much. Abraham was a man of faith. And what Jesus is saying is Zacchaeus has become a man of faith. He's put his trust in the right place. So all you haters out there, you might want to think about where your faith is because it may very well be that it's in the wrong place. Why does he say that? Because Jesus wants to bring life to everyone. Just because he doesn't respond to the haters doesn't mean he doesn't love them and care for them and want them to come to salvation. Because if you look at verse 10, that's God's intention all along. Jesus says, the son of man, he's talking about himself. If you're new to studying the Bible and you're reading in the gospels in the first four books of the new Testament, and you read that, that term son of man, that's the name that Jesus gives to himself. It's out of the old Testament book of Daniel. And Jesus says, because the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. God's intention all along is to bring grace, to bring forgiveness and to bring new life. You see, the truth of the matter is Zacchaeus didn't find Jesus. Jesus found Zacchaeus. He had, a, he had an appointment with him that day for salvation. So how do we apply this? Well, the question isn't, will Jesus be in this house? And that's not, not the question because we're really good people and Jesus wants to be around us, right? The question isn't, let's invite Jesus into our house because, friends, he's already here because Jesus doesn't wait for an invitation, he doesn't wait for us to say, hey, Jesus, would you come in to, to 100 Kirkwood Place and please bless this building? Because he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He doesn't ask anybody's permission for anything. He's, he's the Savior. He's the conquering King. So our question isn't whether or not we're going to invite Jesus in. He's already here. Really the twofold question, one's personal and one's missional. The personal one is this, what will I do? Jesus is calling my name. 
and he's offering me salvation today. Just as he called Zacchaeus 2,000 years ago, he's saying to you today, saying to every person in this room, believe in me and you'll be saved. Trust that what I did on the cross paid for your sins and you can now have, instead of eternal separation from God and eternal agony, you can now have eternal joy and thanksgiving because of what I have done. All you have to do is trust in me. Is our trust in the Jesus of compassion. Because it's not just about his motives and his attitude of, of, of offering salvation. It's also what we do. How do we respond? Will we put our trust in him? But then secondly, as we do, I think probably lots of folks in this room have put their faith in Jesus. As we do, will we join his mission? So you've been here in 17 years, 17 years, 17 years. And, 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 I, and I've appreciated that so much. And now we put that to bed and we say, what's next, Lord Jesus? How do we join you? How do we follow you going forward? How does this place serve as an instrument of your grace and your compassion and your mercy? Because as full as this room is this morning, the first service was just as full. There's lots of people in Kirkwood and Glendale and De Pere and Rock Hill and, and, and everywhere around St. Louis that need to hear about the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Will we be a people through whom his grace flows to others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the encounter that Jesus had with Zacchaeus. That he met a man who we would, we would cross the street to get away from. We wouldn't want to be seen with him. And he sought him out. Because that's what the Son of Man does. He seeks and he saves the lost. Father, thank you for this joyful morning. Thank you that we can just sit and and just revel in what you have done. And I'm so glad that that Craig started off the service with his prayer because I'd have never made it through. (laughs) I thank you for what he prayed. Lord, we we are going to just pause and enjoy this morning. But Lord, may it just be that. May it be just a blink of an eye, a pause. And then may we say, Lord Jesus, where are you going? What are you doing? And how do we come along with you? How does your grace flow through us? Please use us. As our mission statement says, in joyful obedience. Not so that people look at us and they'll say, oh, aren't they good people? But that they won't even see us. But what they'll see is a glorious and compassionate and merciful Savior in whom they will also put their trust. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for what you've provided. And we pray that you would use us now to build your kingdom. And we pray in your name. Amen.